0: all that glitters is not galleons. You're listening to the Quiddler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for gold bugs. Do you think your parents didn't leave you anything? But if their house was destroyed, they didn't keep their gold in the house, boy. Nah. First stop for us is Gringotts. Wizards Bank. Wizards have banks? Just the one, Gringotts, run by goblins. Goblins? Yeah. So you'd be mad to try and rob it, I'll tell you that. Never mess with goblins, Harry. Gringotts is the safest place in the world for anything you want to keep safe, except maybe Hogwarts. I'm Heather Price, right? And I'm Alex Dallenberg. And welcome to a special... Quibbler After Hours Economics Edition. Well, what are we doing here, Heather? Well, we're, uh...
1: first of all, Alex is driving the night bus tonight. <laughs> so um, we're on. doing a special episode. We're not doing our normal two chapters talk about him this week. We have enough material that we wanted to do a topical episode about one of the The internet's favorite topics that we do, which is wizarding economics.
0: I know. We got a lot of uh, tweets, and we've gotten, I I don't know, we've gotten a lot of feedback about that first episode, really, where we got into, like, the wizarding exchange rate and wizard markets, basically.
1: So, I guess the Quibbler After Hours is supposed to be, like, we talk about it, but we're (laughs) drunk. But Alex is drinking ginger ale, um, and I'm drinking rosé. It's a Thursday night! I mean... That shows how old we are. I
0: know. Because
1: it used to be the opposite. Thursday nights used to be Optimist Club at Club Congress in Tucson, and you and I would get shit-wrecked on dollar vodkas. So our lives have changed. When
0: I told a friend of the podcast, Perry, who was raised in New York, that they sold dollar vodka drinks at a club, he thought that should be illegal. It should
1: absolutely have been illegal, but, I mean, that's how we made
0: out. Well, I'm... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. It um, wasn't a Thursday, it but it was at Club Congress. Well, it's a Thursday tonight. I'm having a ginger. I'm having a ginger beer, which would get a house elf like absolutely wrecked. I'm sure.
1: Yep, and I'm drinking rosé because I'm a basic millennial pink bitch.
0: <laughs> so you're listening to the Quibbler hours. So, <laughs> wow. See, this ginger beer is uh, is really doing it for me. You're listening to the Quibbler after hours. Marketplace version, except uh, I, my voice isn't as good as Kai Rizdal. uh little shout out to American Public Media fans.
1: God, Kai doll is like potentially the sexiest man on the airwaves.
0: He he really. Is. I would like
1: to shout out, not shout out. I would like to tell everybody who is interested in beautiful specimens of men who has never Google imaged Kai Rizdal. Pause this. Do that right now. You're welcome.
0: Yeah, K- that man is
1: beautiful. K
0: A I Rizdal, space Rizdal.
1: R Y S D A L. I think it's. It doesn't matter.
0: I have no idea.
1: Google image Kai Rizdal. <laughs> the man is an Adonis.
0: I, I hope this. I hope these free flowing after hours formats appeal to people. Um, well, we'll see. This podcast will contain explicit language
1: has already
0: has already contained explicit language as well as spoilers for for all the Harry Potter books and uh, I, I don't think we spoil anything else besides Harry Potter um, maybe oh Star I feel Wars. like we spoiled... Have we spoiled something before
1: no we spoiled something last week
0: oh my God did it people get weird. mad at us?
1: No, no, no. It was something like, I mean, I think we've spoiled like the end of middle March at some point.
0: <laughs> um, can you spoil literary fiction?
1: I guess. I mean, I, I can tell everybody that Dorothea and Mr. Sabom, um don't end up happy, and instead, she marries Will Ladislaw.
0: Spoiler for Moby Dick the whale wins.
1: So hard. So hard. Okay, well, we just spoiled a bunch of books.
0: (laughs) What else can we spoil? Um, The Bible. Jesus Comes Back.
1: Jesus Jesus Comes Back. What else can we spoil? We
0: can spoil... um... Half of the
1: Beatles are dead. Is that a spoiler? I don't know. It's a history spoiler. That's true. History spoiler alert. If (laughs) If you're just getting into the Beatles discography, half of those guys die.
0: All right, so there will be spoilers in this episode, as well as adult themes. This week's adult themes are... The Dismal Science, Income Inequality, Invisible Hands, Problematic Goblins, and Venezuela.
1: And I guess you don't have to tell us what happened this week, because what happened this week is Harry Potter. Yeah,
0: we're literally just saying whatever we want to. So, anyway.
1: Getting drunk and talking about money.
0: (laughs) So, it's been brought to our attention by one or two listeners on Twitter that J.K. Rowling has her own wizarding exchange rate. It's on, like, one of the Potter wikis, and she wrote about wizarding exchange rates in some of her side books, like Fantastic Beasts and Quidditch Through the Ages. And then she, she said at various times that a galleon is equivalent roughly to five British pounds, pound sterling.
1: Which is way off from what we calculated. Right.
0: Just to put that in perspective, right now a pound is about $1.28. But
1: that's low.
0: It's low because the pound is way down because of this whole election catastrophe. Well, not a catastrophe depending on... uh,
1: It's not a catastrophe. It's a clusterfuck either direction. Yeah,
0: yeah, mostly it's just a clusterfuck. It's not a... (laughs) Is there a difference between a catastrophe and a clusterfuck?
1: Well, a catastrophe is necessarily bad. A clusterfuck is just a mess. It doesn't mean the outcome is negative. It just means that everything is snarling. World and you're cigar. psyched if you're labor i don't know i don't know how y'all are feeling
0: uh we have a few british listeners
1: i know how are you feeling
0: <laughs> and uh in 1994 which is when goblet of fire takes place um the pound then was about a buck 48 so according to jk rowling's wizarding exchange rate a galleon when harry potter and the goblet of fire took place would be about seven dollars and 40 cents
1: and what did we say it was?
0: We had, in that first episode, we calculated it to be around, like, I want to say 120, like around $120. We tried to figure out the exchange rate by looking at the price of the daily profit, which was five newts, not knuts, as I just realized from uh, listening to the audiobook. No, Velvet he Fire. says Canuts. Oh, he said, okay. So, well, he says Canuts in the first book and then he says Newt's in, Jim Dale says Newt's in book four. It's like so. how we
1: can't decide if it's Voldemort or Voldemort. Yeah. We so, interchange I don't know. Those. What do you think's
0: better, Canut or Newt?
1: Canut. I like
0: Canut. Because um,
1: Newt is like Newt's commander,
0: right? And sometimes you feel like a canut, and sometimes you don't.
1: <laughs> oh my god!
0: So anyway, go on. Yes, we had it around. It was like hundred. It was like around one hundred and twenty bucks because a wand is seven galleons, and we figured out that it was like eight hundred ish dollars, which seems on the low end for a wand. But I'll get to that. Strap in, everybody. This episode's gonna get really wonky. So obviously, that's way off. And I actually did a little bit of recalculating to come up with what I think...
1: Wait, I don't understand why it's way off.
0: What's well, way off? Because JK says
1: yeah, but a JK, gallon is
0: $7. JK like clearly arounds. didn't
1: do any math. <laughs> JK like made something up off the top of her head is how it feels to me. Because her exchange rate doesn't make any sense.
0: No. Because...
1: Uh, are we going to get to this?
0: Yeah, we are. no, awesome. well, yeah, yeah, we're... <laughs>
1: okay. So, so I, I, you recalculated.
0: Yeah. I want to clarify everyone that... I'm not an economist. I cover business in my muggle life, but if there are any, like, mathematicians or statisticians or actual economists out there, let us know uh, where we went wrong on the math, but I'm trying my, my level best here. Anyway, I recalculated to come up with what I think is a better wizarding exchange rate, and I looked at the price of a New York Times in 1994, which was 50 cents, so I redid the math from there, so if a newspaper... Is five canuts. That would be roughly ten cents per canut, which would bring a galleon. Because a galleon is four hundred ninety-three canuts, that would bring a galleon closer to forty-nine dollars.
1: Wait, I don't understand why we had it so high before. Did we not look up we, how much a New we York were, Times cost? A
0: New York. We used twenty-four. We used like twenty-sixteen dollars because the New York Times cost much. I don't even think I looked up the price of a newspaper. I just decided what a.
1: So we didn't do a super good job. We didn't do a excellent. super
0: good job with the original Wizarding Exchange rate. I've decided what a premium print product might cost, and I think we went with like, I think we went with two fifty actually, okay. not fifty cents. So which might actually this be impla-
1: this would that would make our galleon inflated by like five yeah. hundred. But any,
0: but anyway, even even looking at the nineteen ninety four newspaper and JK's given exchange rate, ours is still forty nine dollars per galleon and hers is seven forty per galleon. Okay. So hers is obviously right. Right, because, because she made she, up galleons. Because yeah, because she is the creator and she says this is the rate that Gringotts bank exchanges pounds and dollars for galleons at. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's what that money is worth. Okay. So what we were looking at when we used the newspaper To figure out what a galleon is worth is purchasing power. So economists use purchasing power to determine what a currency's exchange rate actually should be. The Economist magazine actually calls this the Big Mac Index. Because they look at roughly how many Big Macs you can buy in different countries. To figure out if a currency's exchange rate is way out of whack. They use the Big Mac because... It's the same everywhere, the same ingredients go into it, the same amount of it takes the same amount of labor to produce. So
1: it's got like the same intrinsic value right. so anywhere. We,
0: so we have the daily profit, which I think is actually a good substitute for the Big Mac. One, we don't really know if wizards have fast food. They don't appear to. But also, a newspaper can't be produced any faster magically, per se, because you still have to do the reporting. They are still clearly printing it on something, but printing automation is like practically magic in the Muggle world as well. Like you can print a shit ton of newspapers really fast. So presumably a wizarding newspaper and a Muggle newspaper cost about the same to make. So it's a pretty good analog. Yeah,
1: it's better than a Big Mac because it seems like you could just magic a Big Mac.
0: So looking at the newspaper index, the wizarding currency is undervalued by... Like, about 84%. The galleon is massively undervalued.
1: Okay, what does that mean?
0: For one thing, that means for the price of a New York Times in 1994, you could go to Diagon Alley and buy 50 wizard newspapers.
1: Okay, uh, so, yeah. Anyway. Why, what is, what is massively devalued currency mean practically for an economy?
0: So, I hope people are still listening as I'm saying, like, the wizarding currency is, like, horribly deep.
1: <laughs> People like this shit. It turns (laughs) out people think it's really fun when we talk about wizard money.
0: So the wizarding currency is horribly undervalued. So the reason countries will devalue their currency is to make their exports more competitive. So you would devalue your currency because then you would sell a lot more newspapers. Like in our wizarding example, if I could go to Diagon Alley and buy 50 newspapers with... With my 50 cents, I would be more likely to spend my money on wizarding goods or Chinese goods because I could buy so much more with my American dollars.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Except wizards don't trade with muggles.
0: Right. Well, that's the question. Okay. Why is their currency so horribly devalued?
1: It doesn't seem like they trade. Like, no, I don't no, they th- trade they don't...
0: within the wizarding community. But
1: they all use because... the same currency within right. the wizarding community, it seems like. Because... That seems like a universal mm, wizarding that's currency.
0: Interesting.
1: I don't think they like I don't think that like French wizarding money and Armenian wizarding money and American wizarding money. Do we actually and... know that? At the World Cup, they're all using the same money.
0: Mm, I guess you're right.
1: And they yeah, I it doesn't seem as though there is international wizard currency aside. Like, this, right? This seems yeah, like yeah. this is all the right. whole... Okay. It's like, yeah, it seems like all of the international wizards show up with right. galleons, canuts. And also there's, like, not that many wizarding banks.
0: Right.
1: Like, it's not like... It doesn't seem like there's even one in every country. Gringotts, Gringotts like,
0: seems to be the only one we know of.
1: Gr- I mean, well, fucking Bill is out here robbing tombs right. for, like, Gringotts, like, gold
0: <laughs> stash. <laughs> but we're basically agreed that... They're not selling brooms to Muggles. They're operating like this. They're- yeah, they're operating the separate economy, but there's like no exchange between the two, and that's what's interesting. Because when a, like a currency can't be that out of whack for long, because people will find ways to take advantage of it, and it will drive it will drive the purchasing power into closer a al- lot like Unless into closer alignment. It's a
1: whole civilization. Whose economy isn't based on trading with other currencies, which it seems like is possible. It seems like it's an entirely isolated economy. Right. Because their exchange rate is basically meaningless, except in these very, 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 very limited circumstances where they have to pay like fairly low, like pocket money levels for like goods and services with muggles. Like they're paying to stay at the campground, and that's not enough money that it like will impact their overall exchange rate because they don't do that very often. I right. don't think they trade. No. I mean they clearly trade like intra-magically, but like okay, Ali Bashir's carpets. I think I think those are still traded in galleons and canuts yeah, and sickles. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So right.
1: so maybe it's just like a totally independent system.
0: It is it is independent, but they must be finding ways To keep it utterly independent, because... Well, I draw a few conclusions from this. One is that the gold galleons, the silver sickles, and the bronze canuts aren't actually made of that. How do you know? Because a self-interested wizard like the Weasleys would simply take the gold galleon, which, I mean, would weigh... I don't know how much a galleon would weigh in gold. It's
1: meant to be the size of a hubcap.
0: Yes. Would take that, melt it down... Exchange it for Muggle money, which they would then exchange at Gringotts for a lot more galleons with face of face value.
1: Maybe they're not. Uh, yeah, maybe they're not smart enough.
0: So they're either indestructible. Maybe. Oh, you, yeah, they maybe maybe may they're indes-
1: magically indestructible. They, they may be, be indestructible. You can't turn a galleon into just or
0: gold. or goblins have like done some kind of alchemy and they're not. They're made of some other substance. And then the main question is, why do they keep the currency? So freaking low, because it's not to trade. And my guess would be it's to bind wizards closer to the wizarding community, because the money is so undervalued that your wizarding salary converted into dollars would be worth almost, like, essentially nothing. Like, even the Malfoys would be in poverty in the Muggle world. So if you took your seven galleons for a wand... Which would be about $343 under our new wizarding exchange rate. Your seven your seven galleons has a purchasing power in the wizarding world of three hundred forty-three dollars. You would take that to Gringotts, exchange it, and and your money is suddenly worth about fifty-one dollars. Wow. Has a purchasing power of fifty-one dollars.
1: Well, okay, so one of my questions is like who sets their like it's goblins, right? It's they, clearly they're go- central. It might bank. be
0: goblins. It's like
1: it doesn't seem like their banking is like actually like wizard run. Like it seems like an, a whole separate species. Well this like... is
0: the question though, because there's been goblin rebellions. We know that. The Department for the Regulation of Control of Magical Creatures keeps tabs on goblins. There's references to them being dragged in front of the committee.
1: So goblins are like an oppressed
0: Possibly, yet they seem to have this power over the monetary system. And I don't know if that's like, I don't know if they set the rates or if they set it in conjunction with the Ministry of Magic. Like, are they like the Federal Reserve where the ministry has some oversight, but they're largely independent?
1: It doesn't seem like that. It seems like they have actual, like, magical control over the money.
0: Right. So is it like medieval days when, like... Christians weren't allowed to do usury.
1: I don't. Yeah. I,
0: I mean, there's depth. There's like Semitic oh, overtones. yeah. That's the other thing. Like, while the we're talking,
1: yeah, while we're talking about goblins and money, we need to take a brief detour into the profoundly problematic portrayal of goblins in Harry Potter, because they are described as like Nazi propaganda of Jews, <laughs> and it is supremely fucked up.
0: And it would be even more fucked up if they did have...
1: If there was some way in which they were like legally or magically bound to control the currency but like never kind of benefit from it.
0: Right. Like this weird Shylock kind of...
1: I mean, they are all weird Shylock characters. Like all of the goblins, they're like this underclass. They're not treated as fully human well they're not human in this case Mm -hmm. but they're not treated as like full citizens they have hooked noses they like long
0: fingers long fingers uh, they they're like um they're they're just
1: cold and miserly and described as swarthy yeah swarthy it is really fucking anti-semitic what is she doing there? I can't tell if it's a commentary or if it is just like a really problematic and disappointing way of describing these creatures. Enough of the books are supposed to be like World War II analogs and that, like
0: anti-prejudice. And and
1: well, anti-prejudice, but it's also like like Voldemort is meant to be like a Nazi, mm-hmm. like or close. So I can't imagine. She's not Obviously, we know from a million different things, she's not stupid. There's no way it's an accidental portrayal, but it's really offensive.
0: I think our archetypes around people that handle money are so deeply embedded and they're problematic in a lot of ways that it was hard to, it's hard to escape that.
1: The way that the goblins are portrayed is so, it's like blatantly semitic. And I just, I can't tell if that is deliberate like meta commentary or if it's just like problematic af and like we need to have a fucking conversation with jk because like it's it's really upsetting
0: i'm not, i'm sure we're not the first people to, no obviously like, we're, that we're not
1: the first by a long shot i've like seen people having this discussion and my just my main question is like yeah what this sort of like aim is there because i just i can't imagine it's accidental well, it's so blatant the hooked noses. I know, but I feel like that's such an obvious analog for the goblins that it just I don't know. It's interesting to me, and they are such Shylock characters, right? Because well, they're I mean, very like
0: gri- Griphook even like betrays them, in right? Book in the seven.
1: very, very, very Merchant of Venice way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's fucking weird. I don't love it. I don't know what she's doing. I that's <laughs> one of the that's one of the things in these books that I really truly do not understand what she's doing
0: there. Well, anyway, so the goblins or the goblins in the Ministry of Magic are keeping the value of the currency way down. Extending the thought experiment, I mean, probably JK said galleon five pounds and, like, called it a day. Like, clearly she didn't, like, really do a lot of math here, which is fine. It's a kid's book. Like, fake money. Wizards have their own money. That's awesome. But but if we're going to take this thought experiment all the way and what are we here to do if not that so wizards keep the currency way low and it's clear they have like various means of enforcing that i mean these are currency controls the ministry and or gringotts keeps tight control over the money supply and it doesn't let the free market set the exchange rate because otherwise the purchasing power of the two currencies Muggle currency and wizarding currency would be much closer together. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that, like, Venezuela does, which has helped contribute to their economic crisis. Like, like the official exchange rate set by the Venezuelan government is, like, worthless. There's, like, there's, like sites run out of the U.S. by, like, Venezuelan expats to try to, like, figure out the actual exchange rate of the Bolivar <laughs> on the black market. Because, like, Venezuela doesn't make that information, like, public. So... Wow. So with this exchange rate, knowing everything we do about the galleon, they are keeping it artificially low as a means of social control. And also, I think that would explain why all the prices make no sense.
1: Huh. Okay.
0: So a wand, as we've discussed, is is seven galleons, which that does not seem like a fair market value for a wand, which contains... Rare materials that are presumably hard to procure, like dragon heartstring, unicorn hair, requires an immense amount of education to create, and yet it Those is, must be
1: subsidized. The government must subsidize wands because they're essentially, like, right,
0: they're, they're, su- they're a necessity. Well, they're subsidized, are price-controlled, because every price in the Wizarding World seems to be completely arbitrary and out of whack with its actual, like, fair market value. I mean, maybe that explains why entrepreneurship is not valued because they live they clearly live in an incredibly centrally planned economy which does not have much economic dynamism
1: right and there's, why, no, like, the, there's no incentive to be economically dynamic independently
0: and, and the wealthy are basically landed gentry who don't run anything like the what do the Malfoys do
1: I actually don't even know what Lucius's job is we know that Narcissa doesn't work
0: right but i mean he the thing seems is, like, to have some kind makes, of ministry job i don't but, think
1: he has a ministry job i think he's just influential the thing is it, it's one of these economies that like i mean and it's like a very like feudalist yes. economy in that it makes work essentially meaningless
0: right yeah there's no yeah there's no dynamism there's no incentive to make more money the government
1: it's uh, all consolidated within old wizarding families because you cannot earn money yeah
0: there's no credits uh, if you want to fund your small business, you have to bet on the World Cup with <laughs> Ludo Bagman,
1: or steal the winnings of a Triwizard champion. Yeah, not steal, I, be I, given, but still,
0: you know. So, well, yeah, we're look, sounding practic- we're sounding practically Iron Randian here. Well, but this it's very f- neoliberal of us.
1: I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. It I does, mean, it,
0: I mean, the question is: is, is this bad?
1: It's not. Like Marxism, because it's not controlled in a way that like gives to all people equally. Right. It's more like I mean, it's again, we're going back to this idea that wizards are essentially medieval. It's basically feudalism.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess because you're it's right. these
1: like it's these ancient like encoded sources of wealth that are not connected to anything sort of like economically viable or important. Right. Like the Malfoys are wealthy because they're wealthy. Right. There's no. Like, and I mean, okay, like, I don't... I mean, we have
0: that in our Wait, no, 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 I I was going to say,
1: like, fuck the meritocracy. Like, I know that's not a thing, but we also don't have, like,
0: gentry. I mean, we we do have, like, you know, we have, like, a wealthy class that has, like, generational wealth. You're right,
1: you're right. But even that wealthy class, a lot of those people in this country, that is connected at least tenuously to some kind of industry.
0: Oh, and they have a lot more. They have a lot of incentive to go out and make even more money. They
1: have incentive to make more money. And And it's easy for them to go do so. Someone somewhere had a job. (laughs)
0: Like, I
1: don't care if it was fucking Nelson Rockefeller. Like, someone had a job. I'm not saying that America is like better. I'm just saying that the like sources of our wealth are like at least a little less murky. Right. And like, I'm, I'm not like to our hyper progressive listeners, we are one of you. Like, I do not believe in the motherfucking meritocracy. I am not saying that. But like, this is fucking medieval. Like, they have like, the, what, why are the Malfoys wealthy?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of income inequality in the uh, wizarding world. Really
1: weird income inequality,
0: and no escape from it either.
1: That is the thing that's hard. Is there's no bootstraps, and like there's not a ton of that in America for various reasons. But like there is less in the wizarding world. So
0: not only is the currency but also the wizards
1: don't have like fucking redlining and shit.
0: There's no way to grow it. Or like
1: mass incarceration.
0: Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, they they do have incarceration. They have horrible incarceration. Right,
1: they have torture incarceration. But they don't throw
0: like. Daedalus Diggle and... Not Daedalus Diggle, who's the... Mundungus Fletcher doesn't get thrown into Azkaban. Why isn't that
1: guy in Azkaban?
0: Because he's just a drifter.
1: Fair. He sells, like, fucking stolen cauldrons and shit. But you know what? Honestly, that's the only way anybody is making anything economically dynamic. No, the black
0: market... Yeah, you, like...
1: The black market becomes sort of, like, a source of, like, freedom.
0: Percy... Yeah, Percy Weasley wants to impose... Your cauldron business can't survive underneath like a hundred pages of cauldron regulations in
1: a controlled economy of this sort. Yeah. Percy Weasley is an actual fucking fascist, <laughs> dude. That guy might be one of the worst people in these books. Like, the more we read, the more I'm like, Percy Weasley is all the way bad.
0: I mean, that's not really fascist. Like, that's not really fascism. Like, fascists aren't like over regulators.
1: Okay, he's just a dick. Yeah. That's fair. You're right. He's you're
0: more right. of a tech. He's a technocrat. With, like...
1: Fascist leanings. With fascist
0: leanings. Right. You know, he's, like... He would like, be,
1: like, a... He would be, sort of, like, an, an ideology agnostic Nazi. He loves authority.
0: He does. You know? So, I mean, if... And
1: cauldron bottoms.
0: If Fudge was, like, trying to create, like, the Wizarding Great Society, he'd be, like, all about that. You know? That's true. No, he, he likes, likes rules. He likes the big man. He likes
1: real shiny mm-hmm. boots and shit. So... Maybe he's just, like, a kink. E. Well, we've already <laughs> talked about Percy's sex life, so. Yeah. So Maybe he's just, like, into, like, BDSM. I,
0: I'm wondering, given what we know about the... I mean, the wizarding economy is in shambles.
1: Okay. Is I, it?
0: I, I don't know if it's a shambles, but it's definitely... It's, it's not good. Yeah, it's not great, you know? What does this have to do with the wizarding wars and the rise of Lord Voldemort?
1: I don't know. You tell me.
0: I wonder if there's not some... Dare I say, economic anxiety? Jesus fucking
1: Christ. In the wizarding world? Oh my god.
0: That uh, has.
1: White working class wizards!
0: Stan Shunpike becomes a death eater. He's Yo. a blue collar working class wizard who sees an up- upward path from the night bus, presumably to uh, the inner know. circle. But I have another theory here. Okay. And that's that, and uh, actually. I'm drawing a bit on the work of uh, an academic named Zachary Feinstein, who actually wrote a paper about whether or not Gringotts is too big to fail. He's out of the University of Washington in St. Louis. He does like fantasy economics.
1: Yeah, the too big to fail Gringotts thing is awesome, by the way. And
0: I'm gonna have to, we're gonna have to dig into that in another episode, and like maybe even like give him a call. I hope I'm not butchering his work here. He also uses the newspaper as uh, That's a way awesome, to set actually. the figure out the purchasing power. But uh, he theorizes that uh, some of the undervaluing of the Galleon is goodwill from the Ministry and Gringotts to allow uh, muggle-borns and half-bloods to assimilate quickly into wizarding society. Because you immediately have this stimulus package from your muggle money.
1: That's interesting. So,
0: the Ministry clearly sets this incredibly low.
1: Right, which benefits Muggleborns, which
0: benefits Muggleborns and Half Bloods. So wow. when Hermione Granger goes to Gringotts
1: and her, and her dentist parents, parents, parents are
0: seen in Chamber of Secrets exchanging money, they have more money than the Malfoys. They would swiftly have more money than the Malfoys. So while the Malfoys may have status, Muggleborns
1: m- actually are wealthier.
0: Potentially, yes.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, Hermione is certainly wealthier. And like, dentistry where- good job.
0: Where does Harry's piles of money come from? From his... From the Evans family.
1: From Lily Evans. The
0: Possibly. I don't actually... You know, I'm sure there's like... I'm sure there's a fucking Pottermore essay that explains like the fucking Potter's like wealth. But just looking at the well, text alone... Well, we know...
1: Okay. We know that Petunia is now... Quite upper middle class, mm-hmm. and if we assume that, as in the United States, in the UK, people tend to marry along class lines, um, we can assume that Petunia and Lily come from at very least an upper middle class British background. She marries a manager at a you know at a manufacturing company. Like Petunia and Vernon have a lot of money. They buy Dudley thirty eight birthday presents. So like. They're if not rich, like they're doing okay, which would make me assume that the Evanses were at least an upper middle class wizarding family. So an upper middle cl- or an upper middle class Muggle family. So an upper middle class Muggle family is the richest wizarding family right. in the world, as we've just discussed.
0: Yeah, because you can trade oh, your God. money up for eighty four percent.
1: It's just Evans family money.
0: <laughs> you can get an eighty eighty four percent premium on your
1: right pound
0: sterling. So
1: fucking accidentally rakish James Potter marries rich because he marries <laughs> like an an upper average muggle girl.
0: So if we ass- we so per- it's possible that this is ministry policy in order to encourage assimilation it's a progressive policy potentially to encourage assimilation of mudbloods and halfbloods and to promote basically
1: Don't say mudblood, that's oh, a sorry, slur.
0: to promote integration of muggle-borns and half bloods, and to promote, like, wow, kind of cross
1: which makes Voldemort make a lot of sense, cross
0: cultural integration. So, you would be pretty resentful of that policy if you were an old line, pure blood wizarding family, right? Because you are locked into an economic system. Where oh, your for money can't thousands grow thousands and mm-hmm. thousands
1: of years. And where you can't exchange no,
0: that up for Right.
1: There's no interest, there's no credit, like there's it's just the amount of gold you physically possess and the things that you buy with it and how they appreciate. So the
0: reasonable approach would be just a more progressive economic scheme and maybe even ending the statute of secrecy and integrating economically with the wizarding with the muggle world possibly. Huh. But
1: they can't end the statute of secrecy for various non-economic reasons. Right. that's not a reasonable suggestion.
0: But the economic resentment toward Muggle-borns manifests itself in this re- in like this reactionary stance Voldemort has, where he's going to take over everything, the basically the Ministry, and uh, presumably change his monetary policy. But also, he wants to lord over uh, Muggles. Why should Muggles have all the money? Wow. And not...
1: Well, and you know what? Okay, like... Why are
0: muggles wealthy and wizards God, this not? this is
1: going to make me actually sound like a fascist, but like... <laughs> or at least like an Iranian but like, he's right in that, like, wizards self-evidently offer more value than muggles. Like, wizards should be wealthier. Wizards can do way more. Right. Like, just an... in Like, a wizard... Per, like, all sort of, like, economic systems and, like, advances of technology being equal, like... Yeah, God, I sound actually like Ayn Rand, but like a wizard is an inherently more valuable producer in an economy than a muggle.
0: But the wizarding economy doesn't produce anything.
1: Right, exactly. So Voldemort is right in that there is no reason that there is this like wealth inequity.
0: So it's the economic policies of Gringotts Bank and the Ministry of Magic that give rise to the wizarding Civil To the War. fucking
1: populism of Lord Voldemort.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow,
1: Possibly. that's a really good hypothesis. <laughs> Damn.
0: Um, That might all be bullshit. But well,
1: what are we here for if that not is- for bullshit?
0: <laughs> that is my economic read on The Wizarding Civil War. It is a reaction, I'm sure, to the average Death Eater. They don't necessarily recognize it as such.
1: Stan Shumpag seems to.
0: But it is a reaction against the draconian monetary policies of the <laughs> ministry draconian <laughs> of the ministry of magic the price controls the favoring of muggle everything you
1: know what pisses me off what the fucking atlantic would be out here interviewing stan shun pike <laughs> as the like disaffected Voldemort voter who, like, nobody listened to because they, like, didn't go to Michigan.
0: Right, but the, yeah, but their solution, Voldemort's solution to it is obviously completely wrong because well, there yeah. are, like, peaceful and progressive ways to address all of these issues.
1: Well, We never go with the peaceful and progressive way <laughs> if we can help it. If we've learned anything That's from true. either the wizard you know, or there, the world. There's, there's so world.
0: many, just letting the currencies align a little more.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Creating
0: systems of credit.
1: God, Hermione is so wealthy. <laughs> Ron is marrying so rich. Yeah. Wow. So that that's the other thing is like it does encourage intermarriage because like Ron, the only way that Ron is ever going to change his economic law is by marrying a muggle boy.
0: And Ron references the fact that we would have died out if we hadn't intermarried
1: Yeah, but I think that's, like, literal.
0: It is literal, but ministry monetary policy encourages intermarriage
1: with a financial incentive. This is really interesting. I'm very proud of you.
0: I am sure. I thought about this all on the subway. It just popped into my head. This is probably not in the actual DNA of Harry Potter. But I love the... uh, That's, like, why fantasy worlds exist, though, because they tease out your own imagination and right they
1: give you space to think
0: mm-hmm. and you explore and you try to like
1: and then you, you understand your own world better
0: yeah no it's true though you know, like it's so you almost cheesy, but it is you true. form new neurons by making connections where there are none in the books because there's clearly no like there's no logic to the actual wizard money system I mean there's a little bit but
1: that we just got super cornball, but like I'm feeling really pleased about how experiencing literature makes our understanding of our everyday lives so much richer. So that's nice. I liked hearing about the money.
0: You're welcome. That's yeah. So that's 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 enchanted I economics. Didn't actually say thank you, but thank you. Oh, you're welcome. No,
1: you said you're welcome. Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that's, that's pretty much, you know, I was building to that thesis.
1: No, oh, I loved and it. And I was
0: like, that is where I'm going to stick.
1: You stuck the, the landing. landing. You
0: know, so, yeah.
1: You never think about the Wizarding War in terms of economics, but all wars are about money.
0: Yeah, at least to a certain extent, you know.
1: Yeah, I think mostly. Like, yeah, wars well, I mean, are that's about. A big,
0: that's like a big historical philosophy question. Wars are about know.
1: resources a lot of the time. Yeah. And I have never thought about the Wizarding War in terms of resource allocation, and I am fascinated. That was really interesting.
0: All, all this money stuff is kind of the product of our own imaginations, uh, but Voldemort is wanting to redistribute resources to pureblood wizards.
1: Yeah, he is. No, he wants pure Bloods to remain the political, social, and economic elites of the wizarding world, and the thing that is getting in the way of that is Ministry of Magic policies, which... I mean, that just seems true. And we don't, the, 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 those policies themselves are what we're kind of like exploring. But like, yeah, he wants to get rid of a system in which muggleborns are able to flourish in a wizarding world that he doesn't think that they should be able to flourish and in. And that's,
0: yeah. And that's canon.
1: That is canon. So wow. Well, there you go. That's I learned the- a lot about currency manipulation today. Yeah.
0: I, I hope I didn't, I'm sure I butchered something, but. Our listeners God, are pretty are so damn smart. smart, so I'm sure they'll chime in with... Uh,
1: Send us corrections, but... Yeah. Hopefully but it was
0: intelligible.
1: Well, when we edit it, it will have
0: been <laughs> intelligible. So, um, all right, good after hours.
1: Yeah, so next episode we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming, so...
0: I don't know what chapters they will be, because I don't know when we'll end up releasing this, but we'll put it in the um, episode description.
1: Yeah, and... Hope you enjoyed that. Anything you, a,
0: I don't know, is there anything else we need to say?
1: Well, yeah, we need to say all the stuff. Oh
0: yeah, all the stuff. Go for it.
1: If you enjoyed that, or if you have some knowledge that we don't, you can tweet at us at Quibbler Podcast. You can find us on Facebook slash Quibbler Podcast, and um, you can find us on Instagram also at Quibbler Podcast. The audiobooks that you heard excerpts from today are from Jim Dale's performance of. It actually probably will be multiple Harry Potter yeah, books, right? All so, the Harry Potter books. Jim Dale's performance of the Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Potter series, series um, from Penguin Random House Audio. And we have a newsletter. It's, it often has we Economics in it.
0: <laughs> it's tinyletter.com slash Quibbler podcast. And more of you should sign up, really. It's oh my nice. god.
1: Yeah, it's really good and
0: And we're sending it out a lot more often these days.
1: Yeah. We're like we finally got our shit together yeah, as podcasters. You, guys. you can email us quibblerpodcast at gmail.com. Please go and rate and review and subscribe at Apple Podcasts. We are also on Google Play. We're on SoundCloud. I think we're like basically where podcasts are. You can like. We're on TuneIn,
0: randomly. I don't know tune what TuneIn is. I don't know. I don't think we've had any plays from there, but we're on there.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, come find us wherever ye may be, and let's talk about galleons and shit. Hi guys. All
0: about the galleons. Thanks, amigos. The gold ones are galleons, he explained. Seventeen silver sickles to a galleon and twenty-nine canuts to a sickle. It's easy enough.